0: If you're a Kia K5 GT and Kia Forte GT owner, this is your reminder to breathe. See that sophisticated interior? Enjoy those sensations. And now, imagine how you look from the outside. And that speed that only a Kia GT sedan can give you. Sorry, I can't help but get excited. For those lives full of thrilling emotions, the all-powerful, all-fun Kia GT sedans. Kia. Movement that inspires. Limited inventory available. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely.
1: everybody. Patrick Connor here, and welcome to the Knuckles and Gloves podcast. We're doing something a little fun to start off 2022. We're starting off with a brand new podcast episode, and I'm here with my buddy Bryn Jonathan Butler, who's, of course, an author, writer, dude I've known for a long time, and we're, we're talking a little bit of boxing history, Bryn, right? We're doing a little bit of Mayweather-Castillo 1. We're taking it all the way back.
0: Almost the 20-year anniversary, which which... <sighs> Of caught me off guard, but yeah, I thought this would be a fun one. It's so much contention around this one.
1: You know, I was just saying a couple minutes ago that people talk about this fight, they talk about the controversy of the scoring, or no way Castillo was robbed. Fuck that. Mayweather did great. What's your problem? But there's never really much of a breakdown. And of course, this is probably not going to be an episode for people who don't like fight breakdowns or anything like that. If you don't like that stuff, that's okay. You don't have to listen or watch. But we're just going to be kind of going through the fight round by round, uh, how we saw the fight and stuff like that. Because, damn, 20 years, dude. Good Lord. Almost 20 years.
0: and, And I think the other thing is, is this, what people don't debate is that this is the closest Floyd ever came to losing. This was the fight he had the most trouble with in his career. Yeah, okay, he was buzzed a few times. Sugar Shane Mosley caught him. Uh, Maidana caught him at the end of one of the rounds, Uh, really buzzed him. Uh, Zab Judah put him down, even though it didn't count as a knockdown, but replay showed it. But this was the fight where you saw Floyd look uncomfortable. This was the fight where you saw his corner looked uncomfortable in a way that that the career never had anything like this where he just was out of his element somebody else was dictating the fight in a way that we floyd always dominated how the fight was fought no matter who the opponent was it became a floyd fight except this and even in the rematch which nobody really debates that, that he he didn't win uh this was just an opponent whose style caused him a lot of trouble whose endurance whose uh, you know, just voluminous punching, pressure. Floyd did not like it. And in the first fight, because of, I think, a legitimate injury, um, had to fight in a way he did not like to fight a lot of this. You know, and when he didn't, he was booed. But you could see he just looked very uncomfortable. And I think another thing that we need to talk about is when we get to the end of this discussion, you're going to see objective uh, punch stats, from CompuBox that is going to have this sort of distortion feeling to how it feels to actually watch the fight. Even if you think Castillo won, and, and I did, um, it did not feel like he won in a way that was commensurate with the numbers at all of the final punch stats, which is a, an interesting feature of this fight, because I can't think of another fight that doesn't feel as if uh, the way the stats ended up being in terms of power punching, in terms of who was landing more, who was throwing more. It's pretty clear Castillo is throwing more, but the way he's landing, the power punches that he's credited with landing did not look anywhere near as meaningful as, as somebody who almost landed triple. <laughs> well, two and a half times the power punches landed for Castillo at the end of this fight. You, I, I don't know anybody who would watch this and go... Castillo was almost tripling the power punches lead. You'd think Floyd was annihilated, but it's not that kind of fight at all. It doesn't in any way suggest the tenor of the fight while you're watching it. So, uh, And then just the last point on this is I think there's a big element with the way we judge Floyd is a bit like the Pernell Whitaker effect of scoring, is that he's so seldom hit cleanly that when he is hit cleanly, we impose a lot more credit on the person who lands those bunches than we would with somebody else
1: i think that's a really good point yeah
0: so there's a lot of subjectivity that i think is injected into the objective of the fight that's here which is just a fun thing to look at it's fun to look at it 20 years later where we know where floyd went after this and again to floyd's huge credit um and and a lot of the stuff also it's fun about this fight is the commentary there's some great moments with merchant foreman and lampley Uh, the end of round four boxing after dark we have this fight that should be pretty good with these two guys uh, arturo Gatti and mickey ward (laughs) (laughs) but but i mean it's it's just a fun one in the sense of where floyd is going to go after this You're hearing merchants saying, you know, if you want to have a career, if you want to really sell seats because this fight didn't sell that well, you know, you need to have more fights like this. And it's like where Floyd went from here is, you know, one of the, the, the most lucrative athletic careers in history. And it didn't really have much to do with the style that he incorporated after this, but he definitely dramatically improved from this performance. He learned a lot from this that he carried throughout the rest of his career, hugely to his credit.
1: Yeah, the the production and the commentating, uh, while this is generally not thought of as a fight with some some legendary moments, was great, dude. There was, a, I think it was either the fifth or sixth round or something like that, where Vic Draculich, or I think it was whoever the fucking uh, ref was, I don't have it in front of me right this sec, but in any case, uh, John Shoreley or somebody is telling him Hey guys, knock it off, calm it down, or something like that. And Larry Merchant goes, "No, this ref needs to calm it down. I like this fight. I want to see this fight." <laughs> it's like Jesus, merch, God, settle. He's just telling him not to get dirty, bro. But you yeah. know, it was, there were just a few moments where, uh, you know, uh, there were there were a couple of real good commentating moments. But that also ties into something you were saying a moment ago. That when we get to toward the end of this discussion, I don't think there's any question, personally. If you were watching the fight, uh, the HBO commentating track along with the fight, it felt like that definitely influenced how a viewer could view the fight um, because they seemed extremely confident that Castillo won the fight and won many of the rounds that, from what I saw, were not super clear Castillo rounds. But in any case, I think that that's what will also kind of make this fun is that we're kind of on somewhat opposite sides of this, but reasonable reasonably opposite sides you know we're not definitely polar opposites or mad about the verdict or anything like that so i think it should make for a slightly more measured you know take on this fight
0: yeah yeah definitely so i mean why don't we get into it we're going sure. back april 20th 2002 mayweather is 27 and zero. he's just moved up to 135 pounds to fight the champion at that weight class, Castillo is 45-4-1 with 41 KOs, holding the WBC title. Um, where we, can, can you for, for for people either who weren't born or don't know, where did you see Mayweather at this time? Did you did you have a sense that he could become what he did going into a fight like this? I mean, he was a he was a four to one favorite going into this fight.
1: And I think that that's actually pretty, that's pretty amazing. Um, That's something that a lot of people need to kind of understand a little bit is that I immensely respect Floyd Mayweather and his career at 130 and 135 for that matter, but 130 in particular pounds uh, was very dominant, very entertaining. He took out a number of fighters that were considered world-class level fighters Uh, and top contenders in this weight division and basically cleaned it out culminating in a fight with Diego Corrales a lot of people thought you know Floyd Mayweather better be careful this guy can punch you know he's intimidating he's massive he's got a big size advantage and then a number of factors you know uh, Corrales probably struggled to make weight but then on top of that Floyd Mayweather is very very good and he beats the crap out of this guy and I think that a lot of those kinds of things. It was like Floyd was riding a bit of a high at this time. Um, However, there still was a debate as to like you just briefly thinking about what else had happened in the sport during this time, because you have to take that into consideration with the whole pound for pound discussion and shit. And they mentioned that on the broadcast Vernon Forrest had just recently before that defeated Shane Mosley for the first time. That was a massive pound-for-pound shakeup about a year before that, not quite a year before that, several months before that. Uh, Bernard Hopkins had defeated Felix Trinidad. Felix Trinidad had vaulted up the pound-for-pound pound rankings himself and was, and they were talking about Felix Trinidad going through Bernard Hopkins straight to Roy Jones. So just to give, there was a lot of things that happened in a fairly short span of time in 2001 and 2002 that were like flipping the pound for pound list on its lid. And so there was a lot of debate as to where does Floyd Mayweather, you know, where does he belong in all this? There were a handful of people at the time who said Floyd Mayweather deserves to be like top two, three, you guys are tripping, stop switching all these names around Mosley, Forrest, Hopkins, you know, stop doing that. You know, Mayweather's clearly one of the best fighters in the sport, but the vast majority of people acknowledged how good he was, but were more or less annoyed by him. Excuse me. Because this was also a time where he was coming into his own as like right on the brink of stardom and getting paid really well, but not drawing, you know, not quite drawing uh, the numbers that, that his purse suggested he was drawing. And so there was a very public debate between Floyd Mayweather, Bob Arum, and HBO as far as whether Floyd Mayweather was getting overpaid which led to this uh, these comments from Floyd around this time where he had suggested what he was getting paid in his HBO contract was quote unquote slave wages because a lot of these shakeups led to a lot of purse shakeups and payment shakeups where Bernard Hopkins went from making you know 100 200 grand per fight tops to all of a sudden he's demanding millions of dollars And on top of that, and I know I'm getting away from it a little bit, but it's important to remember this in context, Roy Jones' HBO contract at this time was right in the thick of a lot of bullshit uh, light heavyweight title defenses, and so HBO was in the midst of restructuring their con contracts or trying to because they felt their contract with H, their long-term contract with uh, Roy Jones was being exploited and he was getting his minimums fighting bullshit fighters or if they weren't allowing him to he was taking them to pay-per-view and then also taking fighters who could potentially fight on HBO like Derek Gaynor and taking those fighters with him to pay-per-view so there was just a strange dynamic going on with that and a lot of people seemed to be kind of against Floyd Mayweather because of that and most people probably didn't rank him as high as he should have been on pound for pound lists and stuff so going into this fight nonetheless he still was four to one uh, a favorite <clears throat> which was just in hindsight immensely disrespectful to Jose Luis Castillo especially coming up you know, five pounds, and that's not, a, that's not an insignificant jump from 130 to 135. So anyway, I know I went on a little bit of rant, but there does need to be a little bit of a context to understand because Floyd Mayweather obviously was not the star then that he is now. But this no. was a very instrumental fight in, you know, that path for sure.
0: Well, and just a couple of other upsets to mention around that time is Prince Nassim Hamad had lost. Yeah. Lennox Lewis had that's lost. true.
1: Yeah, there was a whole bunch of shakeups. Like, uh, oh, oh shit, what was another one we're we're not thinking of? Um, uh, well, anyway, yeah, there were a whole bunch. There were a handful right around this time. Oh, uh, it was Costasu uh, versus Zab Judah. That also had happened right in November, the November before this. So there was just this string of you know high level fighters getting dinged off right around this time, and so that. That, I think, factored into a lot of what was happening here. But, um, but yeah, it, even at the outset of this fight, the commentating seemed to suggest that in their fighter meeting with Floyd Mayweather, he thought this would be an easy fight or that his team thought this would be an easy fight. You can hit Castillo with everything. He's going to be so easy to hit. This is going to wow. be easy. And you know what? He isn't super hard to hit, but he's tricky. He's trickier than he looks when it comes to getting hit, first of all. And second of all, he's so fucking tough, so what if you get hit with everything? That's pretty much what wound up happening. You know, Floyd Mayweather hit him with a lot in the first half of the fight, and Castillo didn't... Yeah, he just didn't budge. He didn't didn't quit. He didn't budge. And so uh, in the first round of this fight, two surprising things in the opening moments for me. Initially, Castillo was jabbing really well with Floyd, uh, and I was a little bit surprised. Like, you know, they opened up, and he was like, you know, catching his jab and jabbing right back with him. He did it like three or four times. And I was like, oh, I don't remember this. And then right after that, Floyd drew first blood with a really big hook in the opening moments of the fight. It was like, oh, all right. You know, it it was just funny because watching this back, just so many things I just don't remember, you know?
0: Yeah, and I mean, another, another thing just for context quickly is that Castillo was for five years, Julio Cesar Chavez's sparring partner. And and there is a kind of weird feeling haunting this fight of Medrick Taylor and Chavez, Sh- because it I don't know, there's a certain just dynamics of styles. I mean, obviously Mayweather's a very different fighter than Taylor, but the speed advantage and, and some elements there are, are interesting. But you're you're absolutely right. I mean, Castillo after the fir- first round has a bloody nose and is nowhere near as active as he's about to get after he gets going, I guess, third round, fourth, fourth round. But the, for, the first round, you just thought, oh, it's kind of a typical Floyd fight. He's he's engaging when he wants to engage. He gets away when he wants to. The speed advantage is really decisive. But yeah, as, as you say, none of the punches that Floyd is landing, even some significant blows that he gets cleanly because of the speed, I'm not sure how much weight he has behind them, um, But it's abundantly clear Castillo has no issue eating a lot of leather to do what he wants to do. It's just he hasn't really decided to put his foot on the gas just yet. So a really clear round for Floyd in the first one.
1: And another thing that Floyd did in the first round that he established and that he did almost throughout the fight, um, there were later on in the fight, I think he had a, a real tough time. Uh, getting this going, but something he established early in the fight, and something that he was good at throughout his his career, was a really hard body jab. Uh, yeah. That's something again throughout his career. It's almost like one of those things that you could miss, and that if you're not looking for it. But now that I've said it, you're going to see it and be like, oh yeah, he was a real good body jabber. He was, and that's one of those punches that'll take the wind right out of you if you land it uh, correctly in the solar plexus. And it's it's a really effective punch, but it's dangerous, obviously, because you can get countered with the right hand very easily from a body jab. But he figured out the range, and he, did, uh, he was throwing a body jab to great effect and clearly won the first round. Um, in the second round, there was a headbutt that stopped the action. And not long after that, Castillo managed to finally get inside and kind of get physical about halfway through the round. But it was... It was you know, pretty short-lived, and I thought Floyd did pretty well in the second round, too, but that body jab is what, like, you know, was, I was almost mesmerized by it, just sitting there watching him, bap, bap. He was really efficient with it, and the timing on his shots. Like you said early in the, in the first round, you don't know how much he was really stepping into those shots, and it didn't really look like he was stepping into them much, but he's so good the timing on his punches where he doesn't even need to step into him to get like the full potential of that punch into it without stepping into it you know like it's it's really incredible the way that he's able to time that but you could see just a teeny bit Castillo kind of figuring out what he needed to do in the second round
0: yeah Castillo also goes down with a slip I, I don't know I mean I think it was a slip but I could also see it being called a knockdown in, in, a, in a way, I mean, it was kind of a shot that seemed to put him down off balance, you know, very light. Um, it's also intriguing after two rounds here that this is a fight that's so defined by Castillo's aggression. But the first two rounds, there's no real sign that he wants to lead the dance almost at all in this. And, and so by extension, you see Mayweather in a very uncomfortable position. He does not want to lead a fight. And
1: it's yeah, it's funny you say that because they actually mention that really briefly on the commentating, and I think that's true. That yeah. Floyd isn't really, uh, for the most part, he he doesn't want to lead. He'd rather counter. He's a natural counter puncher. and when oh, you put yeah. him in the position where you make him lead, he he don't, he doesn't really want that. You know, like that's not really what he would prefer.
0: No, and and, and so it's, I mean, it's interesting just because I mean, <laughs> a lot of people were calling. Rigondeaux's last fight, the most boring fight ever, or something, <laughs> against the Filipino fighter. But it's the it's a similar issue that if guys, because I think Rico just has more power than Floyd, so they become much more anemic in output. And and Rico will never lead a fight. He just will not throw anything. And it's it's interesting in this fight where Mayweather, who's with the hand injuries and that kind of thing. I mean, clearly he could hurt people. I mean, I think he had 20 knockouts going into this fight, but post this fight, there's going to be a lot more issues with him trying to hit with power. And I think it's mainly due to his hands, but he just does not want to lead a fight. He just wants all of those added advantages of countering off of people and utilizing his reflex, tremendous reflexes, timing and speed but the, the, uh, some of those get nullified a little bit if you're leading the fight, which is why now everybody's moved to this counterpunching mode. I mean, it's a lot like chess, where now every chess player is a counterpuncher. Nobody wants to lead the dance because accuracy, in the, in in chess speak, is all about counterpunching. You know, let let your opponent make a little error, and then just take it, seize on that, and never let it go. And Floyd, Floyd has that down to a T. He's like an AI in terms of how he's sort of penetrating the opponent and just seizing that little advantage and, and carrying it through. But these first two rounds, I mean, it does not look at all promising. I mean, it looks absolutely like the four-to-one favorite for Floyd. And yet, you know, Castillo has the ability to make an adjustment. I mean, how many of these big fights have we seen – where a guy, there's just total futility in what his strategy is, and they have no plan B. Even great fighters, they have no plan B. But Castillo, it's, it's clear, you know, I, I'm not willing to take what Floyd is going to give me. We need to do something else. And then he gets the luck. And to be lucky, you have to be close, as the saying goes, the luck of Floyd having this injury pretty soon, where suddenly it's like, ooh, chance, and and fate collide a little bit and we get a totally different fight but we're not quite there yet 10-9 round for floyd demonstrably after the second round
1: yeah and i think that uh the chess analogies often get cliche for you know just because that's one of those things that gets brought up in boxing so often but it's true because you you have a, a one player get an advantage And then the other player, you know, if that player who got the advantage is good, the other player is constantly playing catch-up. They're never able then, if the other player is good, they're never able to get back onto the attack. They're having to constantly react to what the other person's doing, and they can never get back on track to the point where now they're about to get, you know, backed into a corner. And then in boxing, obviously, the big difference is that can happen. And one punch can change that. Whereas in chess, you know, that's extremely difficult to do is to just, you know, lash out with a punch and then get the advantage again. But that's, uh, you know, that's kind of what we're looking at here in this chess match and going into the third round, it seemed to me that, yeah, like that's, that's a funny thing about the memory of this fight is that people, like you said, uh, Castillo so aggressive and he did this and did that, but he clearly dropped a number of the, a number of rounds in the first half of this fight. So it's like you start getting to a point where the more rounds you get into it, you're like, OK, I, I'm guessing Castillo is going to pick it up at some point. And he obviously does. But in the third round, uh, it looked like Castillo, to me, was kind of dispensing with his jab and was trying to just land a counter right hand. And he actually did wind up landing a few of them, but just kind of glancing. However, you could also see on Floyd Mayweather's face that he was aware of it because he was like, the way that he's jabbing and the way that he's throwing punches is as if he's aware that a counter's coming back. You know, he's not really stepping full force into him. Um, but he was also still landing a really hard body jab, like pushing Castillo back on his heels, body jab. Um, and so... Another interesting thing about scoring fights and about this fight is you start kind of getting to a point where you're kind of wondering, all right, well, then it's between these somewhat glancing harder punches from Castillo versus the very clear jabs from Mayweather and body jabs, too. And he was landing a check hook. And it kind of, this is, in my opinion, round three, where it started to kind of, there was like a dichotomy. Like, all right, which one are you going to go with? Are you going to go with Mayweather's jabs or are you going to go with Castillo? Like what Castillo is doing. And that's kind of where this this started to emerge here, I think.
0: Yeah, and, and another thing that emerges in round three is a sense, you know, it's one of the really interesting things about this fight is just how subjective boxing is, which I think is good. I think it speaks to what's really good about it but the way the referee is interpreting his job it he does not he is very much a pro Floyd ref not necessarily I don't mean that he's biased I just mean that the way he is involving himself in this fight is to not allow these guys to have much infighting. he is breaking them when they don't need to be broken and this is totally to Floyd's advantage and, and to the disadvantage of Castillo and and I agree with you uh, you know it's like the round 3 is probably one of the only rounds in this fight that it's it's hard to not give it a 10-10 you know an even an even round for me and yet what is floyd score of significance i mean again the subjectivity of the judges how do we judge what's the best way to judge a fight meaningful aggression effective aggression Um, you know, is Castillo effective with his aggression in this third round? I don't know. He's clearly aggressive and it's clearly he's beginning to, the tenor of the fight is becoming his fight. Floyd is reacting to the way that Castillo is dictating the action. Does that mean that, how much credit does he deserve for that in order to win the round? I, I don't know, but I would slightly lean toward Castillo in this, at least he, he landed the two best punches of the round. They weren't great, but I mean, Floyd landed nothing of significance other than he established a good jab to the body. As you say, it's 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 effective, but it's not really doing anything. It never hurt him or anything. So I mean, if we're allowed to score even rounds, I would probably score this an even round, or I would edge just ever so slightly towards Castillo because I do like to credit the aggressive fighter, because as we established it's more difficult. It, it's less risk averse to, to lead the dance. But then you could say it's smarter to not lead the dance and to do what Floyd's doing. So doesn't he deserve credit for that? I, you know, because a lot of Diao and Floyd have always said it's really easy to go out there and fight in a, a traditional in quotes Mexican style. What we do is harder. Uh, but I don't know, I would much rather watch the other. So yeah, it's, it's a tricky round, but we're about to see things really shift dramatically after this. So, I mean, I, I I had it even for this round, but the pressure of Castillo, I mean, I think they say in the third round, the commentators, that Floyd's corner had said you could throw a beer bottle in the ring and hit Castillo. Yeah. But in fact, this is a fight where apart from the power punches and all of that, Castillo is not only throwing more, he's not only landing more but he's landing at a higher percentage than Floyd as well and i can't think of another fight where floyd had a lower landing percentage than his opponent throughout his entire career so we're we're about to see something this the, the the way this fight goes the complexion of it in a direction that is totally unlike anything else of floyd's career
1: yeah there's a uh, there's a moment toward the end of the round where castillo actually lands a really good left hook to the body and that yeah. was one of the first real hard punches that he landed in the fight. And like you said, like and also kind of as I was uh, alluding to earlier, you start getting to a point where you're like, all right, well, what, what's, how much is a jab worth? Is a jab worth five and a punch to the body is worth 10? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, there's no scale. So you don't really know exactly how much to assign for any of these punches. And that's where the subjectivity comes into it. However, clearly in round three toward the end, Castillo started kind of getting his his punches in there a little bit and then um uh, in round 4 as they opened up the the round the commentators are going oh mayweather's having a real difficult time and i i didn't really think at this point he was having a difficult time he was later on but at this point that hadn't really happened yet so i think that that was kind of where my my issue with the commentating came in was that they started really early with this narrative that Mayweather is in this massive firefight and getting his ass kicked or something when it's like, no, he's, he's obviously having to figure shit out. But like I said earlier, Jose Luis Castillo way trickier than he looks. He looks like he's just walking around in there. He's not, he's, he's obviously slipping punches and stuff like that in a way that might be difficult for the lay person or for somebody who's, you know, doesn't know what to look for, or just isn't paying attention to that shit because they're just watching the fight type of stuff understandable it's okay you don't have to analyze the fight it's all good but jose luis castillo is a very very good fighter as he showed especially post floyd so yeah you can see that he was uh he was kind of working his way in there it just hadn't quite happened yet however um what castillo started doing in the fourth round was throwing one twos to the body instead of kind of uh following after floyd because floyd was doing a really good job of pivoting changing directions doing a lot of stuff that was making Castillo have to adjust to the movement and then instead of just following him around Castillo started throwing combinations to the body and that's precisely that's textbook shit you know somebody's moving on you go to the body somebody keeps moving on you keep going to the body and they'll eventually slow down and Floyd did and so uh, in round four you could see Castillo upping the pace going to the body more and then also he closed the round. Landing on big uppercut in the last like ten seconds or so that, like, you know, knocks Floyd's head back. And I think that that's the round like round three, you could see it, but round four is when it really started coming into play that you know Floyd's got a fight on his hands.
0: I think there's a flip here that we never saw throughout Floyd's career that happens here. Floyd was always able his adaptability, I think, is one of the most underappreciated aspects of his game. one of the best ever at at this and no his- question his confidence level, supremely confident, his mental toughness, never rattled. He's rattled here. In the fourth round of this fight, Floyd's basic tactic with a lot of his opponents is to find out how they want to fight and having such an array of of ways in which to tackle that problem that once he solves it, he can then just let the air out of the balloon with the fight and he has no, no No great fighter has ever been happier to be booed than Floyd Mayweather. He does not give a flying fuck about an audience caring about the performance. And so here in the fourth round, what you see is Floyd dealing with Castillo, stepping up the pressure, but also Castillo no longer sort of feeling out how he wants to fight this fight. He is decided not just to engage with pressure or meaningless pressure, He has decided that he's pissed off and he wants to win this fight and holding on to that feeling. And we've seen a lot of other fighters do it. Buster Douglas had that the entire time he's fighting Tyson. It was, I am fighting to win this. There's no reason why I can't beat this guy. Like regardless of what the whole world thinks, I will not be, I'm going to gaslight Tyson in essence that I'm the champion and I'm going to fucking dominate this little midget. That I'm fighting is I'm six four, I can jab. There's an element of this with Castillo where he's got a look in his eye and he trots into Mayweather. As Mayweather's retreating, you see the it's a trotting motion that Castillo does. And when Floyd sees it, you see his confidence kind of sink a little. Like, what is he doing? You're not supposed to do yeah, this. He's
1: sticking now. with me.
0: He's sticking with me and he's enjoying it. He, he looks, it's not just his willpower is enduring the fact that he can't win. This guy really believes he can win, and I'm not really doing anything to dispel that, and I don't know what to do to break this guy's will. I need him to participate in this pact that all other fighters have when they deal with my skill set, and he is, he is enjoying engaging, and I don't have the power to really keep him off me. And I'm now being driven against the ropes from time to time. And you see the windmill punches that Castillo is throwing, which to me reminded me a lot of Maidana, that there's something about the shoulder roll defense that does not like when you're against the ropes. These these angles that are coming way over the top, it's hard for that defense to block.
1: Yeah, well, and and it's actually, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. this is something I've said actually for a number of years, and I'm not trying to play like I'm some elite boxing trainer or analyst or striking whatever, but there's something real funny about that uh, shoulder roll kind of defense. When fighters get into that, you know, they stick their glove up right here and, you know, or, uh, oh, actually, I'm sorry, that would be left-handed, but, you know, do the rear hand, and then they kind of protect the chin with the shoulder. There is an opening for the left hook. If you just adjust your footwork, just a slight bit, especially because one of the things that a lot of the fighters who go into that shoulder roll like to do is they move to the ropes, which is like, don't fucking do that. You can just shoulder roll, not on the ropes, but they go to the ropes and they try to do it there, which is going to, number one, hinder your movement. But number two, a slight adjustment with your feet and the, it's left hook city all day, dude. Left hook city all day and you can't do shit about it. And so uh, that's actually something that Castillo started doing, but it's, you know, it's tricky. It is a tough, it is tough to get uh, through, to get through that kind of defense. But even so, man, uh, actually, the fourth round was one of the rounds that I thought was most difficult. Oh, there's my kitty in the background. (laughs) the fourth round was actually one of the rounds that one is one of the most difficult for me to score because Floyd Mayweather dominated the the first half of the round and actually landed a number of really hard right hands because you you could hear throughout the fight that the commentators are, he's not using his right hand and they're alluding to a, a possible injury, but he actually landed a number of good right hands, but then Castillo closes the round really heavy. So it's like that was kind of tough for me, to, for me to go with in round four there. But it was clearly a pivotal moment in that fight.
0: I thought, I thought Castillo did a much better job. I mean, we mentioned before about throwing a beer bottle in the ring and hitting Castillo. But I don't think it's true because Castillo was blocking a lot of Floyd shots. And I think that was another thing that Floyd did not expect, that his speed and technique would be able to penetrate Castillo's nonexistent defense. There is a defense, and there's a tremendous chin behind the guard. So Castillo puts up a high guard and is totally willing to just walk through Floyd. And so, I I mean, I, I thought the pressure here, and I mean, I think maybe the three rounds that Floyd seemed to dominate, it was hard for me not to kind of overwhelmingly give Castillo this round, because Floyd looks a little bit lost in a way that you just haven't seen him. And you haven't seen in the fight, it just seemed like the tenor of the fight changed in a big way here. And in a way that I think Floyd never recaptured the fight after this. He was struggling to kind of survive. And I can't think of another fight where Floyd is surviving, where he's not dictating, even as a counterpuncher, it's funny, but it's like, he's able to dictate a fight as a counterpuncher. And that seems at uh, impossible Um but, but somehow he does. He's really able to dictate the geography of the fight and how it's fought and the pace of how it's fought. And he has no control in this. And to be out of control, you see a kind of nervousness on his face that is just so unlike who he will become after this fight. So I think, again, full credit to him, this fourth round is something that I bet he studied incessantly to learn from and did.
1: Yeah, there's there's no question too because he also got better on the inside than he showed in that fourth round uh, as a fighter overall throughout his career. You could tell he did far more work on the inside, and that's not to say he he became Roberto Duran because he didn't. But regardless, he became much better than he was. That was mm-hmm. never his game anyway. Uh, but regardless, uh, going into round five, and again, this is this is these are the, some of the moments where the fight was changing clearly. Nice right hands from Mayweather again in the first uh, minute or so. And he also landed a really good uppercut. However, about halfway through the round, maybe with the last minute left, you could also see this is kind of where I started noticing what you were talking about with the like the trotting from Castillo, where he's kind of like doing this like jogging thing after Mayweather. He started like feeling the urgency. He started feeling like, okay, now I need to, I need to jump on this guy. And that's where you started to see uh, he actually landed a really good right hand that made Floyd Mayweather hold on with about 30 seconds left. And then it made Mayweather try to get some like return fire, some get back, some revenge with his own right hand. And so there were moments where it was almost like Floyd was forced to use his right hand almost when he didn't want to, you know, like. Uh, They're talking about his injury and he didn't want to use his right hand. He's mostly using his left throughout the fight, but there was moments where he was like, he had to answer, you know, and this was one of those moments. I thought Castillo took round five because he was forcing Floyd to fight in a way like to lash out to almost like uh Castillo felt the urgency and started getting on him. And then Floyd started feeling urgency because he was like, Oh shit, he's starting to get on me. And so I, that change of the pace which is like alluding to what you were saying for in round four that uh, it it was starting to pivot and that's what round five was for me was that Castillo took it and Castillo was going I'm here and you're gonna have to do something
0: yeah I think I think Castillo establishes a body attack that Floyd was not prepared for and he's penetrating and and able to go from the body to upstairs in a, in a way that, again, like, it just seems unprecedented for Floyd. Like, fighters were not able to do this. And it reminded me a bit of sort of like watching Maidana and uh, Adrian Broner, where you just think Adrian Broner has so much more sophistication to his style and sort of skills but it's just not ready to deal with the onslaught of what Maidana was doing. Now, to a lesser degree, because I don't think Castillo was anywhere near as effective as Maidana, but it's similar that you can just see Floyd going, this is not the way the story is supposed to go. And, And the body attack was really impressive. And then there are some big shots that Floyd is taking. And as we learn at the end of this round, Floyd has suffered an injury here that is significant. That he also knows there's seven more rounds I have to stay here for. And so it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating round. And the last feature about it that really stuck out to me is how early Dracula, and I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek, is, is breaking them. He, he is getting into this fight and involving himself in a way that I think is really bad. I I do not think it's warranted and I think it's completely to the detriment of a fighter and and we're going to see later on as Merchant said nobody paid to watch this referee ref and Um, you're beginning to see a referee affect the fight in in a really negative way for for Castillo and I think if you had a different referee this could be a very different fight
1: yeah there's um, I actually think that at least some of that had to do with Floyd because if you watch him in the clinches, number one, he's, he's holding one of Castillo's gloves, which almost 100% of the time is going to get the ref to come in and break, right? Any competent ref is going to see that a glove is tied up and they need to be broken up. Um, But also he's kind of like glancing to the ref and doing that type of stuff or he's, he's uh, after the headbutt too, that might've affected it, but he's doing this kind of stuff where Castillo has his head here and he's going, you know, yeah. moving his head around as if it's like, oh, shit, he's headbutting me type of stuff. So it's like that those kinds of tricky, whatever you want to call them, veteran moves, dirty, whatever. Uh, those kinds of things, I feel like they influence the referee or the official and possibly even the judges. And, you know, I thought that that not to take any of the slack off of Dracula, who sucks. but Regardless, I thought that that kind of uh, possibly influenced him and it also could be a credit to to floyd's trickiness and kind of veteran tactics in there um but yes you could see that it was getting broken up way sooner than it should have been and that it was like you know they they could have been fighting out of there but that's obviously not what floyd wanted
0: yeah and i mean so sixth round this is a big round for castillo outlands floyd 24 to 12 i don't know i mean it's as if this is one of the most debated fights of that decade, I don't know how anybody gives Floyd this round, but it also is around where the trotting becomes more abundant for Castillo. He's starting to enjoy this fight even more. And if Floyd was unsure about where it's headed, you do see some discouragement on his face in a a way that, again, is just really strange to see. We're not used to seeing Floyd without the armor of that, that kind of gargoyle mask he wears while he's fighting. There's something like a little demonic while he's fighting. He enjoys it. And I remember seeing it up close with Pacquiao. It's just like, I'm loving not just the money is almost secondary to just making you look this bad. And here, here just Castillo is just charging ahead and, and you're seeing Floyd not really knowing what to do. Um, it, it, it's an, it's just a really interesting round, and I think Castillo lands some very effective shots. Not, not necessarily hurting Floyd, but sending a message that, like, I, I think you see Floyd's face wondering, how much longer do I have to stay here? Like, what what are the problems I have to deal with here? Because I'm there's no way I can get rid of this guy. I don't have the power to get rid of him. Am I in trouble here? And I can't really think, even when Floyd, I remember remember writing about Mayweather and Mosley, where I think you could argue like the most danger he ever was in of getting knocked out was when Mosley clocked him a few times in that second round. But it was fascinating to see that Floyd looked more composed taking those shots than Mosley looked landing. them. And that's, that's a such, point. A cre- such a credit to Mayweather. Like if you rewatch, it, I watched it very closely several times. He knows exactly what to do in that situation, even though he'd never faced it. He knew exactly what to whereas
1: do. Shane like panicked trying to Panic. follow up.
0: Totally panicked. And so this is one of those rare instances where you're seeing the guard down. And I mean I mean, I mean it sort of figuratively. The guard of Mayweather is the discouragement on his face is something that Castillo is just eating up. He's enjoying seeing it. And you know, unfortunately, he's never able to capitalize with it in any sort of meaningful definitive way other than just apply more pressure. It gives him gas to keep going. And so we're reaching the, the kind of peak of the pressure that he's going to maintain for a couple more rounds. And then, I mean, he just can't, can't maintain it. But this is a, a definitive round for, for Floyd and Castillo, again, about the, that this is the way the fight is going to go, that the only way that this momentum is going to stop is if Castillo runs out of gas a little bit, which he does. He takes his foot off the gas a little bit. He can't maintain it. But Floyd is not able to really overcome it with anything that he does beyond surviving. And and, and in some cases, more effectively surviving. But uh, sixth round, I thought, was a big round for Casillo. So definitely gave him the round here.
1: I thought it was a pretty interesting round, too. um, But also because I thought that it was almost an, another one of those like tail of two rounds kind of rounds where early on Mayweather's jabbing really well. That's, I mean, he couldn't really do much more than jab and do like a check hook or like hook off the jab uh, type of thing throughout the fight. I mean, just being honest, he, did, he didn't really use his right hand much to effect in this fight as he should or could have possibly. I don't know. I don't know about the legitimacy of the injury, but it sure seemed like it was based on how he was using his right hand, but nonetheless, uh, jabbed really well early in the round. <clears throat> Again, was giving really good movement, pivoting, uh, and changing directions. And then he was also really difficult to hit clean and close. And it was one of those rounds where it seemed to me like not calling box out, I don't give a shit. It just seemed to me like some of the landed punches he, that Castillo was getting credit for weren't landing that clean. However, there's kind of a caveat to that because number one, he's getting in close to even have the chance to land them number one. So that means the tenor of the fight has changed and you have to take that into consideration. And number two, even if they don't land, they do have some effect. And so you also have to take that into consideration when you're scoring the round and how the fight is moving and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think that a lot of people, especially pro Mayweather people or people who are, just, I guess, have a more uh, of a preference for that kind of style or a counter-punching style are going to look at this and say, look, Castillo got inside. Yeah, but if you look at what Mayweather is doing, he's slipping a lot of that shit and not really much is doing anything. But however, if you're on the Castillo side or the aggression side, you're saying, well, he's getting them to the ropes. He has him on the ropes for you know about a minute of the round and is kind of pushing them around, roughing them up uh whether or not those punches are landing that clean they're there and Floyd's not really countering effectively in a way that's stopping Castillo from doing it and that's that's kind of what I look at too is like what effect is this having on the fight so a guy can land whatever all night but if it's not doing anything or deterring the other fighter becomes tricky so yeah it was a uh, an interesting round for that reason for me but uh like I said Castillo had floyd on the ropes for a a significant portion of that round and that was the first round where he was able to kind of keep him there for a little bit uh he had been able to in spots work him to the ropes and kind of maul him for a moment and then it'd get broken up or something but he managed to actually get in there a few times in round six and get work done so again uh the momentum of the fight clearly very clearly shifting in rounds four five and six and then in round seven, uh, that was actually when Castillo got his jab working. <laughs> he finally, like you know, reached back and got his jab working in round seven for whatever reason. And uh, Floyd, for some reason, just was like not really throwing for about the first half of the round. He covered up and was moving until finally he landed a good hook. I noted, and then he was jabbing. And he's when he started moving, Castillo kind of started looking pissed this was the moment that I think I talked about earlier where he was hitting his gloves together, like, you know, come on. And then there's some booze from the crowd and stuff like that. Um, and Mayweather caught his first warning for using his forearm, which is something that he's throughout his year, uh, his career been accused of doing. Um, whereas I I don't think anybody would ever really call him a dirty fighter per se, but he has used his forearm like this up and close, like, uh, putting a guy up on the end of his forearm so he could, you know, hit him, basically know exactly where they are to hit him or, or push them off and then hit them kind of on the break type of thing, which, again, one perspective tricky, other perspective dirty, whatever. Uh, but he had a warning in round seven for doing that, which will wind up coming into play later on. However, right at the end of round seven, uh, this was kind of, this was the pivotal moment in the fight for me right at the end of round seven castillo froze floyd up with hooks right on the uh and body shots on the on the ropes to the point where floyd almost literally was like eh, like stood there and it was it was like you don't really see that from floyd enough to me to make that a very clear castillo round yeah
0: no i i agree i thought floyd had some some decent counter shots in the first round but castillo took it by the end. And I think just cause the drama was there with, um, cornering Floyd and, and landing some big shots and yeah, it's, it, and you're right with Floyd, I wouldn't call him a dirty fighter. I mean, he has that famous thing against what Ortiz, I think that that kind of sucker punch he did, but, <laughs> but generally he was not a, a dirty fighter, uh, per, per se.
1: Yeah.
0: But, but a really smart, savvy, fighter you know well, when i he, and I
1: kind of look at the ortiz thing as like you know he got headbutted like three times or something and yeah, the dude's low-blowing yeah, yeah, yeah. him and shit i mean at that point it's like fuck bro it's open season but yeah. but i'm with you i think so i think you're right
0: um but you're right i mean it's this, this is a, a fight where you're gonna see a lot of things of floyd you've never seen before and won't see again and and i think round seven had a lot of that at the end of this round where castillo's pressure was extraordinarily effective against floyd and yeah, I mean it, it it's it's funny because I I mean it re- reminds me again of sort of some of those rounds with Maidana where you saw like at the end of I think I think like the seventh, eighth round against Maidana, where he gets clipped with a big wide looping shot and stumbles back to the corner at the end of the round. And Castillo doesn't have any of those that land in this fight, but, but he's definitely getting Floyd's attention and by extension getting the judges and us, our attention, because we're just not used to Floyd looking like he's doing anything but sort of on autopilot because he's that good, he's that well-conditioned, he's that much better than his opponents, and he just doesn't look that much better than his opponent here. And, and maybe a bit of that of our perception is skewed by the fact that he's a four-to-one favorite going in, And his hand speed is so much better. But nonetheless, Castillo's aggression is just looking very assertive and and that it's his fight and that Floyd is struggling to survive. And when you're a four to one favorite and you're looking like you're struggling to survive, it's really hard to give you rounds, I think. And, And Castillo's just really coming on. So yeah, moving into round eight, what did you see there?
1: Well, you know, it, it's it's uh, that kind of dynamic of scoring is tough anyway. The kind of aggress- aggression versus, you know, countering or whatever, like there's no there might be set things to go for when it comes to judges like of certain commissions. They probably teach them things to favor. But you know what I mean? It's it's not always easy in that regard. But that also kind of brings me to in round eight. Uh, I scored round eight, even I scored round seven for Castillo. Like I said, I thought that was a big round for him. The end of that round was like, uh, one of those moments where it wasn't like shocking, like, Oh my God. But it was the kind of moment that I think really, uh, people who believe Castillo won looked to round seven to boost their case. Cause that was a moment where Floyd kind of got caught up and was like, Oh shit. You know, we haven't seen that before, but then in round eight, um, Right at the opening of the round, the HBO commentators, I think it's Lampley, uh, references CompuBox. And again, I'm not calling them out. It's nothing to do with that. But he says that the CompuBox numbers have Castillo through seven rounds landing, I think he says, 75 power shots mm-hmm. to like 30 or something like that for Floyd. And I remember like just thinking, what? it just seemed to me like that was the count was off. And I mean, it's kind of like what we were talking about. When you go by the count, it seems like the even through seven rounds, like uh, the kind of fight that Castillo's kicking his ass or like, you know, it, it just didn't seem like that kind of fight to me. It seemed like a very close fight to this point to me. And it did not seem like the kind of fight where one guy is landing, outlanding the other by two to one or potentially a little bit more. But anyway, that again that probably biased me. You know what I mean? Like hearing this kind of stuff, I was like, mm -mm." and I started almost kind of scrutinizing what was landing and what, what wasn't landing at that point. But in any case, um, even so Castillo landed some really nice body shots in the opening of the round. uh, But it also kind of, like I said before, it was increasingly becoming a fight between Floyd's jab and Castillo's body work. And it was that Castillo was just landing harder shots and Floyd's jab was really good in landing hard, but again, not deterring Castillo. And I just feel like body punches in general are worth more than a regular jab uh, overall. But the problem was that Castillo wound up losing a point for punching on the break. He had been warned once or twice for punching on the break before that. So it was kind of like, eh, but. It, it didn't seem like a very good moment in the fight to take a, to take a point. And it didn't really seem like the kind of fight where you wanted to affect a fight that close on that level. When you're being that quick to break, you know what I mean? Like you're not really giving much leeway and then like a punch happens and you're like, Oh, you're taking a point like that. It seemed like a kind of a quick, a quick point. So I wound up give, making it an even round because I scored it for Castillo, but he lost a point. So nine, nine for me.
0: I scored it to Mayweather um I I thought it was excessive also taking away a point um it it gets counterbalanced by the point taken away from Floyd later on which I also thought was excessive I didn't I didn't really think what he was doing was that big a deal yeah it's an infraction but it's it's a small one compared to other fights where you've seen egregious
1: punches to the balls and it's it's a high level fight you know it's like not
0: yeah, I, I, again, you do not want a referee taking over a fight where the defining narrative is is the referee's involvement. I think the referee is way too involved in this. I don't think he's corrupt or anything like that. It's, right, it's yeah. horrible, but it is it is impacting. It is definitely impacting the way the fight is being fought, and it is completely to one fighter's advantage, which I think is, is unfortunate. Now, again, I, I, I'm only saying it's like, sprinting and you have like a bit of a tailwind. It's it's just kind of like that. There's just a bit of a tailwind for Floyd that he gets with this particular referee. And I'm not saying he orchestrated it, but I'm just saying it's just the way it unfolds. But I, I, I want to get back to the combi box thing because again, I just can't think of a fight where there's this kind of dysmorphia. You know, when you read the statistics of a, a baseball game, you have a general sense of the way that game went from the statistics. Whereas here with CompuBox, anybody who would look at CompuBox, I don't know how they could possibly see any scenario where Floyd won. And and yet, CompuBox, I usually think, are quite a reliable metric to sort of see how a fight was adjudicated round by round. But in this one, it's awful. It's just like it's really troublesome. If you wanna just, if if that's your whole argument about why Castillo won, is CompuBox. Uh, to then watch the fight makes you question the viability of CompuBox in a way that I can't think of another fight where I'd say, what's the point of this? Like, this is just a useless thing that is really not the fight that people are watching. So I don't know, I can't put my finger on why this fight has that effect with CompuBox, but you're, you're absolutely right in terms of the announcers keep bringing it up. The previous, uh, maybe two rounds ago, you hear that Letterman is scoring it a little bit for Castillo at this point. Larry Merchant is is was favoring Floyd. So I mean, it, it, you know, I, everybody seems to be pretty fair. Like we're all of us pretty close on how we're seeing what we're seeing. Yeah, but, nobody's being I'm,
1: a dick about it, or like you know,
0: about it, whatever biases we have for or against Floyd. I mean, I don't know, but but the, the big biased metric just seems to be fucking CompuBox, and I don't. Yeah, I, I,
1: don't, I don't know, know what it is. It just seemed, it seemed off. And it seemed to me, like I said earlier, almost like they were, they were counting a lot of those Castillo shots inside that were like partially landing, glancing. And so anyway, that that's the kind of fatal flaw with using CompuBox as a kind of like catch all for how a fight is going where like, you should just use your eyes and then use CompuBox as a backup tool or something, you know? Whereas they really seem to be kind of leaning on it a little hard in this fight, which was a problem because then you reach this point where now you're telling everybody what they're seeing is that Castillo is dominating this fight in the connects and stuff. And it's, it's not helpful. You know, that's not helpful. Uh, you're basically just supposed to be relaying what happens. So, I mean, um, in the ninth round, then I thought Castillo landed a really hard body shot and then a good right hand, And then he kind of kept uh, going to the body to the point where Floyd was trying to play keep away. He was like, uh, all right, I need to get the hell out of here. And on top of that, uh, another thing that Casio started doing a little bit into the ninth round was he was parrying Floyd's jabs. Whereas earlier on, I mean, this is, I know, dude, people are going to listen to this and be like, holy shit, this guy's just on fucking meth watching this fight, <laughs> but I mean, you know, these are the kinds of things that I caught and thought like, oh, wow, that's that's kind of a, a different thing that I would have thought I would see in this rewatch, but in the ninth round, Castillo's parrying Floyd's jabs, they were landing a lot uh, easily. Uh, earlier. And then Mayweather was way more concerned with movement. Whereas earlier he was kind of like, you know, stopping and pop, 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 and then moving, pop, pop, pop. Or now he's just kind of getting the fuck out of there. But finally, in the last minute, Mayweather lands a nice combination, but uh, good glancing counter right from Castillo in the last couple seconds. And then again, Castillo closes strong. So I thought round nine was a pretty clear round for Castillo. And, you know, it's just that clearly the momentum is not on Floyd's side. And on top of that, one of the things that you said earlier, you're used to seeing from Floyd this look on his face that even if he's not having an easy fight, he's enjoying it. He's, you know, he's in the moment and he's like, you know, this is what we're doing. I'm going to work. Whereas in this fight, there's a little bit more of a look of concern on his face. Like, damn, I'm in a fight. And not that he was ever panicked, but you definitely don't see him in control. Like, as you said, in other fights.
0: Yeah. Well, and the other major drama of this round is courtesy of male menopause, Larry Merchant, going off on the referee. Yeah. Now, why was the referee in there breaking them up? They had broken themselves up and they were ready to keep fighting.
1: (laughs) But he was really like upset. Yeah
0: yeah going off about calm it down it's a fight referees telling two fighters who want to fight to calm it down he should calm down nobody <laughs> paid to see this referee so Merchant yeah just
1: you, you gotta imagine good old Larry like it's it's Larry Merchant shoving the member of who is it uh, uh, Wayne McCullough's crew <laughs> <after the laughs> Zarko, so, you know and then he just woof fixes his hair and goes right that's that merchant you know calm down he should calm down like he's getting all upset
0: no i mean merchant needs some old balls manscaping right there i think yeah. him and his <laughs> wife were really upset about uh it being 2002 and just not having that available so yeah okay oh, poor Larry. 10 ten, <laughs> 10 10 9 castillo uh yeah well i think one of the clearest rounds and and i mean the other thing is Is you're absolutely right, mayweather, whatever the extent of this injury, the right hand is non-existent, which is one of his best weapons. that lead right hand of Floyd's is one of the great weapons, I think, in boxing history, not to knock people out, but to score and to, to discourage opponents
1: and just whatever kind of defense totally stop momentum like yeah. it's one of those it's it, it's like a great example as I brought this fight up earlier, Hopkins, Trinidad, all night long, he was like lead right hand right when uh, he would see that that. Trinidad was setting on his left foot, like as if he was going to throw his hook, lead right hand. And it was beating it all night long. And that's the kind of thing that that Floyd does. And without that, it's a tough night, man. It's a real tough night.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, round 10, unfortunately for Castillo, I think he begins to lose his momentum. And, and not the momentum in terms of his style. It's just as effective. Again, it looks a lot like sort of Maidana and Floyd against the ropes, or Maidana and and Broner against the ropes, and sort of the the windmailing punches are, are working and annoying to Floyd. They're really pissing him off, but he just doesn't have the juice anymore to keep that pressure on the way he has in the previous rounds. And Floyd is able to make some adjustments. Floyd gets the point taken away from him for the forearms. I thought it was unfair. So I gave Floyd the round, but of course he loses a point. So things are even as far as deductions, but it it is a tricky round to score. It's not like Floyd is at all dominant in this round. It's just he outclasses him. And I thought he was able to sort of uh, take advantage of Castillo just having his foot a little bit off the gas here. So point lost, but Mayweather, I, I gave him the round.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I, I thought that I made the round even because I thought that Floyd did a pretty good job. Crowd was booing, which meant Floyd was doing his job uh, for most of the round. Castillo did get a few body shots in, but losing that point obviously was not helpful. And so I made an even round because I thought Floyd won it apart from that. Um, and that, yeah, I agree that just the point deductions were just a little too quick. No, I don't agree with them. Um,
0: and one other thing, though, sorry to interrupt, but, no. but the stats at this point, after, after 10, is in terms of punches landed, Castillo is leading 151 to 124, and he's landing at 40 to 35% more of his punches, total punches, and he's throwing more punches as well, he's thrown 20 more punches, but you know, it's 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 just interesting because the those metrics. I remember when they put up those stats. I just thought this does not seem commensurate with the fight that I've watched so far. And and it's it's way more egregious if we move into power punches. But just yeah. total total punches, just as a sense of of getting us into the final two rounds, uh, Castillo has an advantage by every metric that we have with CompuBox to this point. Not over, except for the power punches. Not overwhelming. But but noticeable, you know, noticeable in ways that would clearly win other fights by a yeah. few
1: rounds. Yeah, of. exactly. To the point where it it would seem as though it would be that Castillo should be comfortable going into these last two rounds. Like you know, okay, like I'm I'm ahead. But yes, yeah. that's not really the reality of what we we're watching. Uh, and-
0: and i think the big excitement going into the 11th round like i mean for me one of the most exciting moments of mayweather's career if you're looking at close moments dramatic moments is the corner is his uncle roger saying to him stand punch and then get out which is advice that i don't think floyd has ever heard in his entire life stand punch and get and move out is not Floyd Mayweather, is not a Floyd Mayweather that anybody has ever paid to see or seen by accident. Clearly, there is huge concern that he is losing his first fight by his corner. And Floyd does not look surprised by this advice. And we'll get to this later, because at the end of the fight, there's an immediate historical revision that Floyd employs with Merchant when they're talking about it. And, and sort of saying that, like, my uncle always says that. That's how we close the show and all of that bullshit. There's no way he thinks in his mind or Rogers thinking, we're closing out the show because we've got a comfortable lead. There is no comfortable lead. It's pretty abundantly clear. <clears throat> the concern is, is that we're behind. We, 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 we very likely are behind in this fight. And the only way that we can win it is if we de- decisively stand and fight. And And score score some punches that we haven't been able to really do throughout this contest.
1: And round eleven was actually kind of cool, I thought, on Mayweather's part, because round eleven was one of the best rounds of the fight where there's there's several moments of back and forth. It's not a war by any means, but it's there are moments where you could see Floyd Mayweather dig in and go, you know, not just clinch or tie up or run or whatever, but stop. And throw, just like Roger Mayweather says, and, you know, try to maintain some semblance of control or say, I'm here and I'm not running from this guy. Like, I'm, I'm here and I'm trying to fight. And I actually thought that Floyd lost the round, but not by a lot, because, you know, partly because he stood and fought, but also he kind of needed to. That it, at that point, Castillo, he came in aggressive in round 11. And had Floyd not fought back, he would have gotten steamrolled. Had he not stopped and, you know, dinked them up a couple times, there would have been, it would have been carte blanche for Castillo to just go ham. And that's, you know, he, I thought Castillo won the round because of the aggression and because he landed a little bit more, but that Floyd stood his ground and actually made a statement in that round a little bit that he wasn't going to go away either. That like, yeah, man, this guy's been coming all night, but I'm still here too. Yeah, so I thought that that was actually a really interesting round for that reason.
0: I think so too. I mean, this is a round where you're seeing Floyd in his corner for the first time, probably in his entire career, scared about the outcome of the fight. And it's also we're going to see at the end of this fight, before the judges have handed in their verdict and Buffer announces it, Floyd does not look comfortable about where the verdict is headed. He and, and normally, like they they always pretend that they're going to win, as if that somehow would influence the outcome. Floyd just looks fuck what am I gonna do now with a loss what ugh, this is you know this i my hand in it or here are the excuses I can give but fuck like it I, I didn't win this one there's just probably I don't see what way I could have won this one is a bit what seems to be going on the other note that I had here is this round, I agree with you, it was probably my favorite round of the fight because they both do dig in and you're seeing the battle of will rather than Floyd's skill being able to dictate a fight. The opponent's will was really interesting. Also, you had to see Floyd's willpower you know, confronting it. But I, I had a note, in bullfighting, there's a term called torero. Ter- bullfighters are called terreros, um, unlike matador meaning killer. But torero is in reference to this term tererre, which is how you handle a bull, how you dictate what it does. That is something that the aficionados appreciate about how a matador operates with a bull, is how you control each individual bull. A bull has never been in a ring, it's never seen a man off a horse, so everything is new for this animal, thus it's very unpredictable. This idea of terrer in terms of being able to manage and control something that can't be controlled i think is a, an interesting example it just came to me as i was watching this round because when have we ever seen mayweather controlled by an opponent it's just something we just just have not seen we've seen him do it to everybody everybody ends up fighting you know he's it becomes mayweather soup every fight right which is why We don't really go back to watch these fights because the the big question was, will it not be Mayweather's soup? Will somebody come in there and be able to to have some participation in dictating how this fight is fought and overwhelm Floyd? Do they have the job? Are they long enough or tall enough or, or have enough punching power? But this was like, I think, the only time where Floyd really had to give everything he had, and still it was Castillo dictating how the round was fought. And I think that this is just an element with all Hall of Fame fighters, which is just intriguing to see how they match up. When you think about Frazier and Ali, when you think about, okay, I accept that Tyson was old and way past his prime, but how easily Lewis handled him. Like just, just how easy it was to negate all of the assets of Tyson in that fight makes it hard to kind of think that Lewis wouldn't have always been able to do that to him. And, and every other fighter that we think about when they match up with somebody where the styles are different, who ended up being able to really dictate? And the fights that we love, just as we saw with the fight of the year with Fury and, jo- sorry, Fury and Wilder, is because neither of these guys could really contain each other because of... the the assets that they brought to bear where they're all, you know, falling over all over the place. I get that Fury was winning every round, but nonetheless, he was in danger of losing at every moment, which is what made it so exciting is he couldn't quite ever remove the power of Wilder. So this, this was a big round, even though it's a, a little toned down. I mean, again, nobody was knocked down. It's not some big dramatic, but in a, in a subtler way, it was still really interesting to watch Floyd be handled by somebody when he's bringing everything he has to bear, even though granted he's injured, but, but nonetheless, like that's, that's what made me think of the, the bullfighting term was Castillo was the matador and, and a Castillo is not a matador by style you know, at all.
1: Totally. Well, and, and I mean, uh, if you were to just watch the round 11, no other round and you were to say, okay, now tell me about this fight what do you think happened in this fight? Your average person or fan or whatever would probably look at that and say, wow, that guy was in over his head. Right. He's, you know, he's just, he's not on, he's, he seems like he's in trouble in there where that's obviously not the tale of the fight whatsoever, but that's what the round looked like. And that's why it's such a big round for Castillo. But the funny thing is then Mayweather comes back and on my card wins the 12th round. And a lot of it was uh, in, at least in part, Interesting. Because of the first minute, Castillo didn't throw much at all. He just followed Floyd around and just kind of like he didn't really get much going. And Floyd was jabbing. Obviously, you know, take as much as you want to assign as much as you want to the jabs. But then finally, Castillo lands some really good body work. But then Floyd goes back to his jab. And then as soon as Castillo's getting in close, he's holding like he's he's at this point, he's like not even making any sort of trick or trickiness about it whatsoever. He's just clenching him up and going no, 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 you know, uh, trying to neutralize Castillo entirely in close. And then finally, uh, when Castillo starts getting to the body again, a massive right uppercut from Floyd in the last minute. And then again, Floyd closes really strong in the last 15 to 20 seconds with like maybe four or five right hands and a hook. So I thought that it was a really good showing from Floyd in the final round that he closed strong, but also that in combination with Castillo's inability to, to open up the round well, despite having a very good previous round, kind of lost him momentum going uh, into the last portion of the fight or the last portion of the 12th round, I should say. But it wasn't a big round for Floyd. I just thought that Castillo didn't quite do enough.
0: Interesting. Okay, I, I added the opposite of, of your take. And this round was prefaced, prefaced by Larry Merchant saying, we've seen upsets of Hamad, of Lewis, of Trinidad, of Mosley in the last year. Is this yet another one? And you know, we're, we're going to collide with punch stats <laughs> that are crazy for a Floyd Mayweather fight. So I can see where they're coming from a little bit, but I mean, everybody who was watching this fight in terms of the hosts and Harold Letterman uh, have nothing in common with the judges watching this fight, which is really interesting. Like just just, just how much of a discrepancy there is. Uh, I thought Mayweather was running a lot in this fight. I thought he was sort of back on his bike more th- more than you did. And I thought Castillo's aggression... He, you know, the body attack was, I, th- I think you could argue that he was going low. I, it was a little dirty in terms of some of the shots were pretty low. But nonetheless, I thought the aggression was effective enough that Mayweather didn't want to engage the way he wanted to to try to take this round. And especially at the end of the fight, I thought Castillo, uh, the, just the, the discrepancy between intent to win, I thought, you know, Castillo as a champion was fighting like the challenger, and I think that I think he fought this whole fight that way, in in a way that was just so unexpected, especially as a four to one underdog. And I thought this round really uh, was was kind of capsizing that. Not capsizing. I, I meant like epitomized that element of Castillo's overall approach to this fight. Other than the first three rounds where it was a, a bit of a feeling out process that in no way aided him to learn anything like I mean I it's still kind of weird to me the way the first few few rounds went for Castillo and the approach that they took tactically but this last round I thought he did everything he possibly could to try to solidify this fight even though I didn't think he needed it because I had him with a bit of a cushion to win at this point so you and I don't see eye to eye on this one but but uh Still, fascinating round. Fascinating, fascinating round.
1: So, what was your final score?
0: My final score was 115 to 112 for Castillo. Or you could say it seven rounds Castillo, four rounds Floyd, one round even.
1: And I wound up having it six rounds to Floyd Mayweather, four rounds to Castillo, and two even from the rounds where points were deducted where I felt the person who got the point deducted won the round. So it would have, it would have without that been seven to five for Mayweather. Yeah. However, you know, just mathematically speaking for those who are into that type of shit with the statistics and the, you know, standard deviations and shit. uh, There were three rounds that I thought were fairly close uh, were close enough that they could have gone the other way, and I wouldn't have had a problem with it. Which would mean that you would go from having seven five to Mayweather to potentially seven five or so for Castillo. So, with the you know obviously the overall overarching takeaway for me is that it was a very close fight, and that it was, I guess, I guess we didn't clear up any of the controversy. There's still controversy, Bryn.
0: Well, and then, and then to add more to the controversy, final punch stats. Uh, Castillo threw, let's see, 52, well, almost 60 more punches than Floyd in the fight, landed 203 to Floyd 157, and landed at 5% higher percentage with 40 versus Floyd's 35. Now, where it gets the really egregious category is the power punches. Yeah. So if you remove Floyd use it, utilizing the jab in this fight and you value power punches more, which I think probably most of us would agree judges should, uh, then Castillo, Castillo threw 377 power punches to Floyd's 151, more than doubles him, and lands 173 power punches to Floyd's 66, all of which leads to a 46% accuracy rate for Castillo to Floyd's So, I mean, in terms of the punch, power punches landed discrepancy, we're talking about two and a half times more than Floyd over the course of this fight. So people who support the view that Castillo won this fight with meaningful, effective aggression, I think that's the first metric that they would go to to say, how could you possibly argue that Floyd could win this fight based on that. Now, I'm not saying I take that view. I was reading like an old article by Max Kellerman talking about this fight saying, you know, the fight is not scored overall. It's round by round. And that's where Floyd took it. And I think that's a fair point to raise because it's absolutely accurate. But show me another fight where Floyd wins because the official judges cards, I mean, t- speaking to the issue of controversy, uh, were 116 to 111 for Mayweather with the judge from Thailand. And then you have John Keene and Jerry Roth each scoring at 115 to 111 for Mayweather. So five and four rounds a piece all to Mayweather. I don't really know what fight they were watching to arrive at those scores. I'm not going to say it's a robbery, but i don't i don't understand what fight they were watching to arrive at those scores personally
1: i think that the overlap of a lot of these factors is what winds up being uh that led to a lot of people including myself at the time now granted i was like 19 or 20 or something when this fight happened but uh a lot of people at the time were like this is a massive robbery but i think that a lot of the the things that we're talking about a lot of these things are what kind of built up and felt uh, made people feel that it was that. Like I said, the commentating was fairly skewed toward Castillo, but I don't think that it was that they liked Castillo more or anything per se, but they were also using these punch stats to kind of p- go with their narrative or whatever they felt happened. Yeah. But then also, looking at the judges scorecards, they're like, what, you know, does it like nine, three in rounds. That's some bullshit. You know, Cassio got job, that's shit. So then you could say, well, it was a close fight and either guy could have won. But then when you have one guy winning and the cards look fairly wide like that, then it feels wrong. It doesn't feel like it was educated uh, fairly. And so, you know, a, n- a number of these things, and then Floyd Mayweather's comments after the fight, et cetera, I think that a lot of these things coming together wind up being that you're like, Oh, this left leaves a real bad taste in your mouth. Whereas objectively, I feel like it was just a really close fight, difficult to score and kind of could have gone either way.
0: Yeah. I, I think all that's right, but it's, it's very interesting what you say because you're going to see a blueprint for Floyd after this fight is Clearly, as the decision is being announced, he is very uncomfortable. He looks nervous about the outcome in a way that I don't think we ever saw that again. I mean, maybe with Oscar De La Hoya, there was a bit of nerves or something. Kind of close. Not as close as this one. But the moment Merchant brings a microphone to him, it's this complete historical revision of how he was processing the fight. If he really believed it, or it's just a cynical exploitation of the result and then rewriting the history um i think probably a bit of both in in some respects and so it's intriguing the first thing he tries to do is sell grant gloves to the audience about how good the gloves are it doesn't answer the question um i you know merchant always asks aggressive questions in the sense of but I think they were fair. If you go into the fight saying that you can throw a bottle into the ring and hit this guy, this is nothing. I'm breezing my way into bigger things. It's just a stepping stone and you have this kind of trouble. I think it's very fair to bring that up after a fight that has been that close and, and, and uh, you know, keenly contested. So Mayweather never appreciates that he expects to get filleted by by the network and everybody and the fight didn't sell a lot of tickets as I recall like there was that was also pointed out a lot by the commentators is that Floyd was not great at selling fights at that point which is true Floyd kind of had the Andre Ward thing is that nobody really ever paid to watch them win They just weren't very good at selling tickets just on the strength of, of how they won fights. Particularly. It was always dictated on fighting a really good opponent. And that there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Ali was a lot of that too. We really need, especially when Ali was very mouthy, he needed a big opponent in order to sell fights. We thought somebody needs to shut this guy up. And that's what I want to pay for was a huge segment of the audience that he was trying to lure into fights. Nothing wrong with that. That's it's fine to play the heel, But Floyd hadn't really dialed in the heel that he created where the most successful thing or the most lucrative thing in boxing was the idea of watching Floyd lose more than watching anybody win. And you're seeing that Jake Paul has adopted that blueprint better than any existing boxer, that the most exciting thing in the sport of boxing now is to watch Jake Paul get knocked out rather than anybody else winning, which is which is crazy but, it, but it, I think it's a reality. I think it's a marketing reality. So Floyd is really uncharismatic and, and totally unsympathetic and, and has no great grace whatsoever in how he's won this fight um, because I think it bruised his ego that the fight was as close as it was, not making excuses, not making excuses, not making excuses, and all he does is make excuses continually about the injury. Um, So it was an an interesting moment there, and you're going to see, I mean, not long after this, with uh, Oscar De La Hoya and rebranding himself, him move into becoming the most lucrative athlete in the world, where almost everything that is talked about after this fight by the HBO commentators is how Floyd needs to do things, And, and they talk about Bob Arum. How, can he be marketable? Can he say, like, none of them saw what was coming. But I think Floyd saw what was coming. Well, should,
1: and Yeah, exactly.
0: Floyd, yeah. Floyd is about to break away from both of these entities in a massive way to become the most lucrative athlete in the world. And none of these Ivy League educated people that are, are there to identify a cash cow were able to do it with Floyd. And let Floyd be Floyd the way that he was unbridled under um the dark sith power of of our uncle
1: al well and, and you know that's the that's the really funny thing is that like uh i i don't want to, I'm, i've never really been a big mayweather fan so i don't want to like come off as somebody who's making excuses for him or advocating for him or even really playing devil's advocate it's just that i i kind of see this side where um I liked Larry Merchant overall, and I thought that generally speaking, he's a truth teller, but he also had his flaws. And he, for much of Floyd Mayweather's tenure at HBO, seemed to be particularly aggressive when interviewing Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. And as you say, there's a reason for that, because it's kind of like, all right, well, when you are, the, when you are that good, when you are toward the top or whatever, you do deserve extra scrutiny. So you do deserve more aggressive questions and to you know kind of answer for more. Um, but that being said, I could kind of see how the how merchant put Mayweather on the defensive. Is like you know right off of the bat rather than like, wow, congratulations on a really hard-fought win. That was a good fight because there were moments in the fight where Merchant was saying, I like this fight. I'm enjoying this fight. I love this fight or whatever. But then you know, he immediately kind of gets aggressive going into the interview. So I could see how it could kind of put Mayweather on the, on, on the defensive. Uh, but that being said, yeah, you could also see that it was almost like in hindsight Mayweather formulating his plan You know, going like, all right, this shit ain't going to happen again. And then... I
0: I just want to say that it's also instructive, I think, that the ways in which Merchant inserts himself into into these events is a thing that is still scintillating to revisit. We go back and we go, it's stuff to talk about. It's interesting to see Floyd react this way, as opposed to it all being PR. Right? Like, it's it's just all That's true, yeah. and. You know, it's, it's the same thing with journalism or any kind of profile or whatever. Is it a profile? Is there anything penetrating about it? Is there anything to put somebody off balance to get something sincere and genuine and provocative? Or is it just to market them? So Merchant is very old school. And we can say, like, oh, is he being fair? Like, shouldn't he be sort of subservient the way, you know... N- to to listen to Chris Mannix call fights or whatever, the, the whole point of Chris Mannix calling a fight is to promote Chris Mannix, and I know it's true also with Larry Merchant. Like these guys too are making piles of money.
1: And and on top of that, today is the anniversary of cacophony, bro. Today <laughs> today is the one year anniversary of cacophony. So I mean, as that's that's very prescient that you're bringing that up, you know.
0: Well, Anthony Joshua is a poised finisher. So let's get ready to watch him put away Andrew Ruiz Jr. No, I mean I'm just I'm just I'm just singling him out because like it, it is interesting where merchant I mean all these guys have huge egos and everything and they're getting paid a lot of money, but that's fine as long as in some way at least on an ancillary basis it's in service to the people that are paying for it. And Merchant, at least consistently, especially when he confronts Mayweather so famously with the end of that Ortiz fight, is somebody where I don't know what's going to happen as a result of his engagement with the athletes. And, and always, but what I want to know is, in not knowing what's going to happen, I'm desperate to know. And almost none of them have that power anymore. They don't add anything to the fights. They're adding to their own portfolio and then trying to get wherever they're going but Merchant is a really interesting example of keeping these... I mean, Mike Tyson didn't go to HBO, not because of any opponent that they were going to make him fight after he got out of jail, but because of Larry Merchant Don asking... Don King. Me yeah,
1: Don King had a shit fit about, about Larry Merchant, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I'm afraid of Larry Merchant asking me a question. He talked about my marriage, or whatever. It's like, okay, fucking Snowflake. Yeah. So, I, I want more of that, because, like... I, You know, we want interesting things, not just in what they do in the ring, but why they're doing what they're doing and to try to get to know who they are as people. And you know where you're not going to find that? As they're fucking branding themselves. You know, like I'm not interested in the Jake Paul stuff, but clearly he's been able to brand himself in terms of his discussions about Dana White and the UFC and all of that, where I don't know how Dana White's going to respond because no journalist calls out Dana White in a meaningful way the way Jake Paul is. So thus like, yeah, it's clear he's punching up and it's interesting to watch that engagement.
1: And, and exactly because the, the quick answer, just to not get too off topic, but the quick answer to that is just to say, Oh, well, who, who, he doesn't really care about the fighters. You know, Jake Paul's only in it for Jake Paul. And you could say, well, yeah, that could be true, but it could still also provoke thought and the discussion about this, where other people won't, other people won't or, other people can't because the moment they say some of that shit at a press conference, they're fucking out of there. That's Whereas right. how you can't throw Jake Paul out of there because he, you know, so that's, I'm not, I'm not taking Jake Paul's side per se, but I think you and I are this, of the same mind that if it's, you know, uh, telling truth and punching up, you know, telling truth to power as are speaking truth to power, as they say, there, there is value in that. So, I mean, there is also value in Larry Merchant being able to speak truth to Floyd Mayweather's face, whereas Floyd Mayweather at the time is probably expecting a bit more of a pat on the ass from HBO, who he's with. So I, I, I totally am with you there. I just, I think seeing it from Floyd Mayweather's perspective, not agreeing with him, I could see how he feels he should be put on the defensive in that interview, but that there is a need for for a Larry Merchant to end. On top of that, not having a Larry Merchant in the vast majority of these commentating crews around sports is that's harmful.
0: Well, I think you could argue that the most rewatched event that Floyd Mayweather participated in is the aftermath of the Ortiz fight with Larry Merchant. It's it's probably Might the be. most exciting um, like battle that he ever fought in. <laughs> was against Larry Merchant, you know, like a fucking 80 year old five foot four elfine uh, commentator, and, and, you know, good for Floyd to have all of the money and everything that he accomplished, I give him all the credit for that, but it, it is also interesting, unlike so many of these other great fighters, who don't have the undefeated career and all, all that, but What are we left with in terms of legacy? A huge element of what that means is how much do we want to revisit it? How much of it is a kind of movable feast that we can continually return to and enjoy? Mayweather's offers really none of that. Once he gets your money, he wins. And and (laughs) that's the end for him. But that has never been a business model that has been all that, that successful to disregard the customer's satisfaction.
1: And well, it, it's been successful for him financially.
0: No, 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 no. Clearly, no, clearly it but, has. But but, but what did that do? Of, what did that do? And in terms of a business model that can be recreated by others, exactly. what it does is fuck the industry. It fucks exactly. the industry. A- a- Unless you love only seeing fucking superhero movies at the theater, because every actor wants $30 million to act in it. So they can only do the most conservative kind of thing, which is sold by a movie trailer kind of thing. I would prefer a little more variety, but but F- Floyd you're right. Floyd's worked out extremely well for him, but I'm just saying at the same time I don't know anybody who's really arguing um like you know how HBO used to put out those like 90 minute revisit the career of great boxers and kind of stuff. Floyd's career really before the hand injuries were really exciting. He fought really, he had to, he had, he fought really tough guys and he did extraordinarily well. I mean, you mentioned Corrales and, and Hernandez, and he had a lot of really interesting fights, but I've not, I've not never really heard anybody clamoring to rewatch any of his fights throughout his career, despite being the most successful monetary fighter in history. And that's an interesting, um, Companion, like those two things almost never run uh, parallel, that you've had fights that nobody wants to revisit, and yet you made the most money off of them is interesting. Show me another fighter where that's true.
1: Well, I, I think that that's at least in part speaks to Floyd Mayweather's success in selling himself. Whether you agree with the self that he's selling or like it, it definitely uh, speaks to the success. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting in that regard i mean yeah that he would go on to become the top draw in sports really of all time or at least i don't know you can adjust for inflation and all that type of shit but at least in terms of being able to push money it's massive but the the overall takeaway from this fight like what would you say the overall takeaway from this fight is mayweather castillo won
0: takeaway in terms of what it meant at the time or what it meant in the future.
1: Like so if you were, if you were going to like, for instance, uh, give somebody a summary, like a, you know, a few sentence summary or something like that of what happened in this fight and why, or what you think happened in this fight, what was it?
0: <laughs> okay. Well, the two, I, I have to give you two. I think one would be what would Mayweather's career been had he lost this? You have to consider what it would have been with a loss on his career. How much better uh, in terms of entertainment value would we have got? What what would we have got off of Mayweather if he wasn't able to restrict the only metric of greatness being that he's undefeated? He's never claimed to be the most exciting fighter or anything like that. He just said, I'm the only one of these greats that's undefeated. Or if, uh, you know, I have more wins than Rocky Marciano kind of thing. Because I don't know anybody who ever said Rocky Marciano was the greatest heavyweight of all time, you know, despite being undefeated. But but Mayweather was very successful at branding himself the way he did, as you, as you say. So I think part of this is the counterfactual of the career that happened after 2002 with what would have became of him if, if he had a one loss. In his career, like even if he avenged it, just the fact that he had that one loss would dramatically affect the perception of Mayweather um, being able to dangle that loss to his audience as something new, as something, you know, like popping the cherry of that perfect career sort of thing. I think it would have irreparably fucked his career in terms of the huge earnings. I just, he would not have been as lucrative without that one, that zero to be penetrated, because you might see it. Every pay-per-view was, you might see it. This guy might, it. look who he just beat. He might beat him, sort of thing. Um, the other is, I think, how great he was to improve from this fight, to become the f- fighter that he did going forward. His adaptability, um, that he never came into a fight, anything less. I mean, you could argue that he came into this fight a little underprepared, or over or underestimating Castillo clearly no matter who he fought after this when was he running out of gas like i mean he was just always in immaculate condition certainly never aided by performance enhancing drugs after this ever i just really want to stress never enhanced- never even heard of it no never even heard of it is in any of those allegations of him being linked to anti-aging clinics so i don't what are you trying to prove so after this he is just, I think, really dialed in on, into the, the kind of athlete he needs to be both in the ring and marketing that athlete outside of the ring in a way that was unprecedented in the sport. To go, to go into Oscar De La Hoya where, I mean, look at him fighting Arturo Gatti. As we mentioned, the fourth round in between rounds, you're hearing about Gatti fighting Ward after floyd gets in with gaddy where 98 percent of the people in that arena and paying for that fight are paying to watch gaddy beat the shit out of floyd uh, you know it's not long before de la hoya launches him and then de la hoya is kind of in this weird tailspin of the rest of his career but i mean not that he didn't have some great moments too but mayweather is just launched totally launched almost in like a professional wrestling kind of way where there was no hulk hogan and then suddenly hulk hogan was like one of the most famous celebrities in the world after just body slamming andre the giant and like the only like corollary to that is sort of what mayweather became after de la hoya after he beat de la hoya suddenly it was like this guy is globally important as an entertainer and and, and yet I have no idea where he came from before I'm speaking strictly to casual sports fans not boxing fans but casual sports fans he was on their radar after that forever and was must see pay-per-view in a a really meaningful way so it's totally he deserves all the credit for that so those are my two things it's just I wonder who he would have been had he lost this as the supporters of Castillo would petition And I also give him all the credit with how it, how in fact reality did unfold with what he was able to utilize from this fight. And very soon after with De La Hoya to become the most lucrative boxer in history. And I mean, retain all of this fortune that he's still unbelievably marketable, right? I mean, in a a Mike Tyson kind of way, he's still one of the biggest draws that the sport has. And most of these other gatherings of the great Hall of Fame fighters, these guys are broke, and nobody gives a shit about them. Like, they're, they're expendable to the pocket, despite how much excitement they generate and how much money they generated in their primes. Like, Roberto Duran showing up in Madison Square Garden for a basketball game doesn't really mean anything, you know, unfortunately. And it's fucking Roberto Duran. I would rather have, you know, Roberto Duran than a 100 Floyd Mayweathers in terms of how much excitement they generated. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's a very interesting fight on that level, I think, on both those fronts. But, but what about for you?
1: You know, it's funny because I said earlier that I've never really been a huge Mayweather fan. I'm still like not. you know, I, <clears throat> I, I respect him. There are things about him that I in retrospect. You know, I I like him more, but I think that always tends to happen with a lot of fighters. You're critical of them as they fight, and then later on they retire. Where the fuck do you go? We need you back. You know, it winds up being the case a lot of the time, especially with heavyweight champions in particular. But um, you know, in retrospect, not to make excuses for him, he made his own. (laughs) But he did he did seem to have he seemed to fight as though he did have a legitimate injury. And one of the things, another thing that the commentators brought up very, I think it was actually before the fight. They talked about it a little right before it started. I don't know that they brought it up during the fight, but they talked about the fact that Castillo outweighed Floyd by about 10 pounds in the ring.
0: Yeah, nine pounds.
1: Yeah. And that, that, that looked to be the case in the ring, that Castillo did look bigger, did look stronger, and that when you're at 135 pounds, 9 or 10 pounds is pretty significant. Um, and I mean, it's, it's significant no matter what. But regardless, you know, when you're smaller, that's a bigger percentage of your body weight. Come on, I don't need to talk math to people. But in any case, um, yeah, it, so these things, when you kind of take them into consideration, you do have to acknowledge that Floyd did fight at a disadvantage, whatever that means, whether you thought he win or won or didn't he did seem to have uh, a handful of things going against him in the fight. And despite that fought fairly well. And I did think that it was a very close fight and difficult to score. I thought that it was the kind of fight that truly could have gone either way, depending on what you like or what you're looking for. Um, But that Max Kellerman does kind of have a point in terms of the scoring. I'm not always, you know, on the same page as Max. I do like him or whatever, but, uh, but in general, yeah, it's, The fight, I think, if you were scoring it on the basis of who did more damage or who kind of did more over the course of the fight, you'd have a very good uh, case that Castillo won that fight. Round by round, I think that it gets a little bit more broken down toward Floyd. But in any case, um, a very interesting fight in the sense that Floyd figured out that he needs to make adjustments during fights and do them on the fly and be prepared for fighters who are better than he thought and that after that it was really tough to catch him slipping um and that on top of that you also got to see a sliver of what it takes to defeat floyd mayweather you also got to see i don't you know the the whole blueprint thing it's it's become a meme because of oscar constantly saying i invented the blueprint to beat floyd mayweather you know he's such a goofball but you did kind of see with Jose Luis Castillo a little bit of that uh, blueprint of how to handle Floyd Mayweather's defense and how to handle him going to the ropes. And you saw other fighters even reference this fight. I think uh, Marcos Maidana talked about this fight, about this first fight that he was going to watch this fight and study it and stuff like that. So how true that is, I have honestly no clue, but the point is, yeah, for this, for that reason, for these kind of uh, for the fact that this fight happened at a moment in Floyd Mayweather's career where he was undefeated, and that Jose Luis Castillo also, then element of this that a lot of people don't really bring up is that Jose Luis Castillo went on to be an extremely good lightweight to defeat a number of very good fighters after this fight and also hold his own against uh, you know, a monster of a lightweight in Diego Corrales himself who had had some career momentum post Floyd Mayweather loss. So it actually doesn't wind up being such a bad blemish or mark on Floyd Mayweather in my, and not saying that you're saying that, but that is kind of the consensus for a lot of people. I think that this was a, you know, Floyd Mayweather looked awful and he lost this fight. Whereas, you know, uh, I, I don't think that that would be the, the national embarrassment that, that some seem to feel it would be. So it, it was a good fight, too. There were a number of rounds that were a lot better than I remember.
0: Well, I think, I think one metric of great fighters is do we find greatness from their performances? When we look for greatness, do we find it against their opponents? And that's another area where people that are staunch supporters of Floyd, I think, struggle to defend is where, where did he look great? Did he look great against Austria De La Hoya? Was that, was that a great performance? It was fine. I mean, I think
1: he won. It was won a good fight. performance. I don't know about great. But it was a good but performance.
0: But in terms of the separation between him, like, like in terms of like that point that Kellerman made about Floyd saying he's the greatest ever. And, and Kellerman was like, he wasn't even close. Nobody debated who was the best fighter in their respective primes between Roy Jones Jr. And Floyd, the, the, the separation between Jones Jr. And the next best guy was immense in Jones's prime. Whereas with Floyd, like he had these kind of fights where he struggled with some guys or he avoided some guys. And I know Jones, that's, that's true as well, but it was just like, like the eye test of watching Jones do what he was doing. You can see how after he won the heavyweight title, that he was like a two or three to one favorite to beat Tyson at that time. Like you can see it because he just looked like he he had assets that we've never seen before. I mean, even even Ali in his peak, you know, there's a Henry Cooper knocking him down. There's there's a couple, you know, Joe Frazier. He did not look dominant in that first fight. And I understand, like, okay, he's off for a few years and all that. It's a different Ali than his than his peak. But, um, you know, with with Floyd, you just think he did so much with what he had. And he came away from that career with so much money and undefeated. But you just have to, you know, it's it's one of these things that's just interesting to debate and litigate with other fighters is, you know, the Tyson who beat Michael Spinks, if he was able to maintain that focus, could any heavyweight have beaten that guy? I think most heavyweights think, like most even the great guys think, well, I don't know who could have beaten that guy, but he was only that guy for one fight. That guy went away after that and stayed in the sport for another 19 years, you know, as a very diminished state. So it's, it's an interesting thing with Floyd, to his credit, unlike Tyson, and all the chaos that was around Floyd and his family and everything, it never affected the guy who walked into the ring for the rest of his career, for the remainder of all his fights. He was always the best he could possibly be, and was getting better, continually getting better. And that's not true of Tyson and so many others they become diminished very quickly often there a lot of them are comets and some of them are just you know Ali Ali was coming into Frazier not in shape you know his wife said I'm going to wear black because he's not trained for this so like Ali was not always hyper focused to be the best that he could be he had a lot of distractions and stuff Floyd is one of those rare ones where uh, you know, and Jones, Jones too. I mean, when Jones slipped, his stock in terms of all time completely changed. He was totally revised in terms of who he was and what he accomplished, et cetera, et cetera. And Floyd has been revised because of that undefeated, that zero at the end of his career that I think we estimate him much higher than he deserved to be. I don't think he would come anywhere near defeating Roberto Duran in like a 130 fight or a 135 fight if they're in their primes. But but I mean, other people have a view that he's just the, the greatest fighter to ever fight or maybe one of the great athletes ever. I think he is a combination of how disciplined he was, how mentally tough he was, his skill set, and also getting himself in a position where he could pick opponents to fight them at the right time, which a lot of other guys have that ability to do as well and don't do it as well as he did it.
1: Well, there are definitely a lot of asterisks point being, you know, if you look at this historically and you kind of like take a step back on the broader perspective here in the last 30 or so 35 years, a lot has changed in boxing, uh, in the sense that before the last few decades, you can reasonably expect the best to fight the best, uh, consistently. Whereas in the last handful of decades, that has not always been the case, but it's also, I think, telling. That we're now almost 20 years later looking and fucking, you know, zeroing in with a goddamn electron microscope, this one moment in Floyd Mayweather's career, you know, and that speaks to his greatness, I think. And there are obviously, I guess, uh, uh, like I said, uh, a lot of asterisks there. As far as you know, well, as if he's great, what about so and so? I mean, don't talk to me about that, bro. Like I hear about this all the time on the boxing history fucking pages and shit. You know, if you bring up such an, if you bring up Ray Robinson, there's somebody marching in with some Floyd Mayweather shit. Bring up Floyd Mayweather, somebody's marching in with some Ray Robinson. Shit. You know, it's like it's it's a given, no matter what. So I get it, but it, in any case, uh, there's no question that he's one of the greatest fighters of the last few decades and that he was truly great but this is an extremely interesting fight to kind of analyze for a lot of these what-if reasons no question and hopefully nobody was coming into this looking for answers or looking for a definitive whatever because you and i are not even of the same mind on this but it that oh. that's why it's interesting that's why it's fun
0: no and, and I, I again like i can see giving a couple rounds to floyd from what i did i i'm not in any way thinking my score on this is definitive because i'm not even sure with totally. myself i could watch it again and i think fluctuate a little bit i don't see where the judges were coming from in this like 116 111 i don't know what you were watching to arrive at that that just seems way too wide a margin but um, I, I i love the fight for the reason that we say it wasn't the most exciting fight beyond the context of it given how important Floyd is to the sport and and what he had to deal with and overcome. And, and I think he had a, a an operation on a rotator cuff after this fight as well, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, Floyd was able to overcome a lot of injuries and, you know, it's something when I spent some time profiling Andre Ward and he was like, a lot of people don't even know the full extent of the injuries that I've had to contend with. And we can kind of like, if you don't like Andre Ward, I guess you go, here we go. Like he's just coming up with more excuses to be self-aggrandizing, but this is a brutal, brutal sport in terms of just the training, let alone that what we get to see as the final outcome. Like this is really, really hard on the body. And if you're somebody that has ever spent time with these guys in preparation for what they're doing in any meaningful way, in terms of duration, I don't think you think like, boy, I wish I could have done that. I wish I could spend five hours or six hours a day training the way they train and all the weight law and all of that kind of stuff. It just looks like um, indentured servitude to something in such an extreme way that is utterly masochistic, plus this kind of stress of the event that's to come that I have to confront completely stone sober
1: no shit yeah that's a a problem that'd be a problem for me
0: yeah so you know again it's hard as much as you go like I can't stand Floyd as a person all his issues with women beating up all these women doing in front of his kids all of that is so repulsive plus what he grew up with that he didn't the stuff he didn't choose that his dad uh, using him as a human shield when he was a little boy when I think somebody was trying to shoot his father, like held up his son in front of them, uh, shows you a lot of why Floyd is so interested in, in reminding you of his value, because this is a kid who was reminded a lot by his own dad about how little value he had. Haven't met a lot of dads that would hold up their boy their, <laughs> as, a, as a human shield to protect them. So usually it works the other way around, <laughs> just, just by instinct, by paternal instinct. So. All of that stuff, all of those albatrosses that Floyd wears, he's used as a weapon better, better than just about anybody, you know, and what, what they're trying to pursue to become successful. But who knows where it will end up. I'm, I'm shocked that he's still here, given what he's contended with. But, but here he is, and I mean, he's still as, as relevant as he wants to be in terms of making way more money than almost all active boxers with these fucking sideshow bullshit exhibitions. I mean, I think he announced another one around his February birthday of 2022. So, okay, I mean, people are willing to pay for it, but I mean, where does it stop? Like, is he going to fight female fighters? Go for the intergender exhibition title? <laughs> like, I don't know.
1: Well, he's going to take it from Andy Kaufman, I guess, then, you know, but Andy Kaufman, I don't know. He had a he had a, a couple things going in terms of ideas. There is an attraction himself. No. Hopefully, we stay relevant. That's, that's what I'm hoping for in 2022 is I'm hoping we stay, re- so we stay relevant. But, uh, you know, I thought that this was a really good idea, going back and looking at this fight again. I appreciate you having the idea because it was a lot of fun, dude. It was, it was actually a lot more fun than I thought it'd be.
0: We should think of some other ones that would be sure. sort of in line with this
1: because yeah, it is, it was a fun one to
0: rewatch and, and just, uh, having a bit of, you know, two decades of hindsight was intriguing.
1: Totally. Yeah. No question. But hey, I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this with me again, man. And, uh, we'll come up with more ideas for sure. And yeah. we'll also do more, more of these kinds of things. But in the meanwhile, for everybody who actually tuned in for this, thank you. Appreciate it. And, uh, in the meanwhile, while you're waiting for more of this kind of stuff, if you wouldn't mind subscribing on YouTube, for instance, if you watch that way, very helpful. Also, all the normal podcast apps, we're all on, on all of those things. And if you are on social media like Twitter, follow my buddy Bryn Jonathan Butler at Brenicio B-R-I-N-I-C-I-O. Also me, Patrick Connor, Patrick M. Connor. We're also on Facebook and Instagram and those sorts of things if you are there. And Bren, thanks again, man. I appreciate it.
0: I don't know. My pleasure. Yeah. Let's talk soon.
1: For sure. Thanks everybody. Take it easy.
0: Cool, man. Let's do it soon. Yeah.